Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today's message starts with a big announcement. If you haven't already read it, you'll find it on the church website, and it might help to review that before listening to today's sermon. Now, here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun. Well, before I give the sermon, um, I know there is an elephant in the room that we need to address this morning, and it has a long trunk, so we might as well address it. I know this might be a shock to some of you, especially if you have not read your email in the last two days, or opened that pile of envelopes on your desk, or you're not on our mailing list but is to acknowledge, as shared in a congregational letter uh, sent a couple of days ago, that worship leader, Rosalyn, and I have decided to step down from our positions for separate reasons uh, and with separate future plans. And I'm sorry if this is a, a shock, but we tried to tell you before this morning. I'll let Roz speak first, and then I will follow her. Here's Roz. Good morning, my dear friends and family. Seasons are interesting. And the older I get, the more questions I have about seasons, about chapters in our lives, about the comings and goings of people we love. And that's why it's just so difficult and painful for me to say that I'm embarking on this new chapter in my life in June. I've been attending First Pres since I was a kid. When I got to college, I felt the need to find my own church, you know, grow up and all that stuff. So I did. I searched, and I attended a number of different churches over the years, and I learned from each one. But I kept coming back to First Pres, and it always felt so good to be back. And when Dan asked me if I would consider being worship leader here about 10, 10 years after my church search began, That was not on my radar at all, besides the fact that it would mean I would be my mom's boss. (laughs) And yes, yes, for those of you who remember her, one of the best musicians in the world, period, that was a hilarious, ridiculous notion. So I told Dan at the time that I wasn't sure for a number of reasons. And he said, well, why don't you try it for a season and find out? And Easter 1996 was my first Sunday as worship leader. We'll talk about pressure. But something happened that day, and I knew I was home. It felt so right. I've now been here as worship leader for 28 years. I have grown from the little young girl I was at 30 to the not-so-young, not-so-little woman I am today. I will be forever thankful to Pastor Dan for having seen something in me that he believed in. I would never have presumed myself to be a worship leader, ever. And I will be forever thankful to the staff that I've worked alongside, some for decades. I'll be forever thankful to the elders, the deacons, the personnel team, the choir, who is now scattered and here, and to each and every one of the amazing worship team members I've had the privilege 
work alongside. Throughout the years, darn it, I practiced this at home and I did not cry this much. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and so, to so, so many of you in the congregation, thank you for being my friends and family, my mentors, my counselors, and so much more, especially over the past five years since my mom passed. I'm still grieving in big, deep ways. I'm learning that grieving can be complicated, not linear. My leaving too is complicated, but really it's simple. It's time. Time for a new chapter for me. As one dear friend told me, Roz, it's time for the baby bird to leave the nest. <laughs> You've got to go. And I knew in my heart that it is important and right for me to go now in this season of my life. There's so much that I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, where I'll be working, what I'll be doing, and, um, but I do know that I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm trusting him for all that may come day by day and with each passing moment. As far as actual plans, what I do know is that the first thing I will do after stepping down as worship leader is to volunteer here the following week for our summer jam with our amazing Keiki <laughs> alongside Karen Makashima. Then later in the summer, I'm going to Italy and Greece for two months to experience life and to try to quiet my mind and my anxious heart. My favorite author, Madeline Langle, wrote in her book, Walking on Water, Reflections on Faith and Art. When I'm constantly running, there's no time for being. When there's no time for being, there's no time for listening. So I'm off to Italy and Greece where John brought the mother of Jesus, where Pythagoras walked on the beach, and where Paul preached a message of love even more brilliant than the sun. There's so much I don't know, but what I do know is it's time for a new chapter. Well, actually more like the third book in the trilogy, because I'm old. <laughs> I prayed for clarity, and last summer I got the 100% from God to leave. From the absolute get-go, God has been calling his people to get up and go. And I know this means a new season in both my life and the life of First Prez. But while this is hard for me emotionally, I truly am excited and filled with hope for what God has in store for both me and for this church that I love in and believe in. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I wanna thank each of you for listening to a bit of my journey and to thank you for walking alongside me these many years, for loving me, for supporting me, scolding me, teaching me, and pouring into me. Because of all of you and because of my time at First Pres, I have been changed for the better. I've been changed for good. Thank you. Thanks, Roz. 
I know I speak for all of the church. We will miss you greatly. Our heartache is tremendous, but God is good, and great is his faithfulness. And I know he loves you and this church. And when you go to live in Italy for several months uh, later this year, please eat some pasta in memory of us, or eat some pasta in memory of the pastas here at this church. Sorry, one more chun pun. As for me, uh, this is the year that I'll be embarking on my 30th year as your senior pastor. And that's not counting the five years I served as associate pastor. And this is when you're supposed to say, that can't be, Dan. You look like you're 55. You know, my friend uh, Alex Love, wife of Nick Love, told me yesterday, it's only at retirement that people say, oh, you look great. You look 20 years younger. And she says, as a mother of five children, she says, it is only after she gives birth that people say to her, wow, you look great. You haven't gained a pound. Your body's in great shape. Um, But yes, I am ancient of days. I came to this church in 1980, uh, some 43 years ago, more than half of the existence of this church. Uh, That's a biblical generation. I was ordained two years prior to coming here in 1980, and in 1994, you voted me to be your senior pastor. And yes, I was your second choice, as your first choice said no, and you have been stuck with me ever since. God is so merciful to you. 45 years of being a pastor, I hope no one says today, wow, what a quitter. (laughs) He only was our pastor for 35 years. He threw in the towel so early. You have put up with my quirky, goofy humor for so long. Thank you for your grace. You've heard me say often that I seriously, I feel I am the luckiest pastor in the world. You, this congregation, is the easiest church in the world to lead, most of the time. (laughs) No, all the time. I love you all so much. And what a venture we've had, Um, buying a golf club, leaving a denomination, joining a new great one, uh, starting Alpha Course, Rooted, um, learning about the miraculous healing nature of the Holy Spirit, pivoting as a church to offer weekly services online in lieu of in-person and then live streaming with in-person, plus keep online recordings for later viewing, Um, sponsoring more than 1,600 compassion children. So what a ride in seeing what God has done through our church. And we have experienced many adventures and accomplishments together, but it is the team who made it happen. And when I say team, I mean you, the members, and the staff. The team, not me, with the Holy Spirit, made it happen. And I've had the great privilege to be a part of this amazing team. God has new plans for me. As my wife Pam said, Dan, you have spent more than 40 years serving the church. It's time to spend more time with your family. Amen to that. The first day after I retire from this position, I'm probably going to sleep for a week. (laughs) So I hope you know that when Roz leaves June 1st and I leave September 30, it comes with a very heavy heart as we love you very, very much. 
And for many families, I've been part of your weddings and your family funerals and your baptisms and your hospital visits or coffee talks. And we have the privilege of weaving together a tapestry of faith uh, together in good and tough times. But know that I leave you in good hands. You are a healthy church in ways you may not even fully understand. The community, the covenant partners you have sitting or standing with you are incredible and have been hand chosen by the Lord himself to walk with you on the journey. You have a healthy bank balance due to your generosity and God's grace. It has been managed well. We have annual financial audits to prove it. You have an incredibly competent staff and elders and deacons who are very unified, which you can't say about all churches. You have a beautiful asset of a campus. Now, it would be normal to right now think, gee, so many staff have left in the last few years. For each staff member who has departed, it has been for different reasons, just as it is for different reasons for Roz and me. But I believe firmly in my heart it was indeed the Lord who led them to leave, as it is the Lord who leads Roz and me. Know that the denomination is highly competent, and our elders have a transition team on working on many steps to make the transition successful, including successors to both me and Ross. We will give you continual updates of what is happening, whether through emails or letters or on the website, which today already has frequently asked questions, FAQs up and running on this process. So go to the website, look for that button that says our next season. And we will have structured listening tours for our members so we can get input from all of you. Again, this will be a team effort. Now, I'm not Moses, but when Moses got to Mount Nebo, God told them that he was not going to the promised land. A different leader, Joshua, would take the people forward. And this was after Joshua had served his people for 40 plus years, a generation. And I've served you for more than 43 years. And God told me, Dan, you will not go to the promised land of the future of First Press. When I look out at the 246 acres that will be developed by you for Jesus Christ, and I look at a great community of believers and a great staff and great elders and deacons and kolal barrooms firmly in the black financially. I know the future looks wonderful and indeed promising. The metaphor of the promised land is actually not a place, but you, the people of God. You, each person's body being the temple of God, you are the church and the church this church will grow quantitatively and qualitatively, and it will flourish and have fun and a future with hope in magnificent and divine ways. So do not fear, for Jesus Christ said he is with you always. And remember, the king always has one more move. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
You may be seated. Do you want Noelle up? Yeah, Noelle, come on up. And Roz? This is Noelle Chun, one of Dan and Pam's children. We want to welcome her. Uh, Pam will be joining us at the uh, 10 o'clock hour, and Quinn is busy producing the online uh, broadcast, and so he's in the back but, and can't join us up front. But I just wanted to lead us in a time of prayer uh, for the Chuns, for Roz, and for us. So if you could extend your um, hands towards them as I lead us in prayer. God, this is hard news to hear. The truth is, I've heard better news from this pulpit, not gonna lie, but this is hard news to hear. Each one of these people means so much to all of us. Pastor Dan, Roz, Pam, and the Chun family. While we're hurting, we're also excited for what is ahead for each of you. And we are confident that God has great things in store for you and for us because we serve a God who is good and trustworthy. Lord, today I simply want to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has done in and through Roz and Dan and their family. And to pray for a fresh filling of God's spirit for the journey ahead. Gracious and all loving God, we are feeling a variety of emotions this morning. And all of them are perfectly understandable. We thank you that this is a safe place for each one of us to experience what we're feeling. But we know that we will still be together for a number of months, and this is not the day to say a hui ho. We want to begin this season of change by making it a season of thanksgiving. Our Father, we want to express our profound gratitude to you for the gifts you have given to us through Roz, through Pastor Dan and Pam and their families. Thank you for how they point us to you. Thank you all for all the ways that they have helped us grow as disciples of Jesus. They have spent countless hours in prayerful preparation for sermons and worship services and so many other vitally important roles of leadership. And they have offered their care to many, many people from the youngest disciples to our kupuna. We are profoundly grateful for all that they have done. We are so thankful for Pam and Noel and Dylan and Quinn and everything they have given in your name. So God, we pray that this season of transition and change will be one that is filled with joy and love and that the season ahead for all of them will be filled with gifts of grace, of new visions and renewed passions for the work of your kingdom. And may the season ahead be filled with new freedom and with refreshment and with rest. And finally, Lord, I pray for our church as we embark on a new adventure. 
Right now, many of us would prefer to have a detailed map that marks out for us exactly what is ahead. But the good news is, is that we have actually something better than a map. We have a guide. And we know, Lord, that you go with us and have actually gone ahead of us and ahead of the Chuns and ahead of Ra's and will be with us every step of the way. So would you give to Roz, to Dan and Pam and their family, and to all of us, more of your grace, more of your spirit. We trust you. And would you give us fresh courage for the adventure ahead? And may all that we do and all that we say be pleasing to you and give you glory. In the strong name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray these things and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's again express our appreciation to Dan, to Roz, to their family. I'd like to invite Chris Pan up, and he's going to introduce to you a couple of other very important people. Hello, I'm Chris Pan. Uh, I have the pleasure of working here, and with me is uh, Susan Murray and Ruth Ann Yamanaka. Uh, I will introduce, introduce them more fully in a moment, but first I wanted to invite us all to take a deep breath in. Hold it, and then deep breath out. Breathe in God's presence, hold it, and breathe out your worries or your fears, your anxiety. Um, let me say, it's going to be okay. Um, God is still God, and first prez is still first prez. And as the song goes, as we sung that Raz has led us so many times, on Christ the solid rock, first prez stands. All other ground is sinking sand. Um, you may have lots of questions. That's good. And as Dan mentioned, uh, you may have some questions that are frequently asked. Uh, that is good. We have a new section on our website that talks about the transition and has a section uh, titled Frequently Asked Questions. Uh, Juan, our wonderful building um, superintendent, came to me this morning and said that Son Mi came to Juan when she found out the news and said, what's going on? And Juan sat her down in front of the computer and said, look at this section on frequently asked questions. And all her questions were answered there. Um, there are questions like, why is Dan leaving? There's also questions like, I am sad. Um, I know that's not a question, but it's on there, and so we, we go and ask you to go read those um, responses because you may be feeling lots of these same emotions that many other people are feeling. Uh, there's also a roadmap there. Um, you know, as Tim prayed, we do not have a detailed map yet, but we, uh, we have a guide, which is even better, in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we do have a roadmap that shows what's going to be coming up for the next few months all the way through to 2024. Um, and there's also information there on the transition team. Uh, today, besides questions, you also may have lots of emotions, and that's also good. Um, a church is a community where we multiply each other's joys and divide each other's sorrows. And so uh, a, a reminder that the church is not the land, and it's not the building, it's not even the staff or the pastors, it's you, it's us, the people. Um, 
And we'll all need time to mourn and grieve and also celebrate Dan and Roz in the coming months. Uh, But a reminder that the church leadership isn't just those of us on staff. It's the faithful volunteers who serve as leaders and as elders and as deacons. Um, And I want to just point out now just who those elders and deacons are, who these people who are serving this year in 2023 as your faithful elders and deacons. And so if you are here today at this service, um, when I read your name, if you don't mind standing and stay standing, uh, that'd be great. So our 2023 deacons I'll start with are Alicia Satota, Renee and Bruce Morgan, Danny Butler, Diane Colburn, Georgine Stark, Jenny Sukazaki, John and Kat Nelson, Karen Dyke, Ken Zeri, Chris Anderson, Leona Larkin, and Nate Nastase. The deacons are the hands and feet of the church. Amen. Please remain standing as I read the names of our elders. Our elders are our board of directors, our leaders, um, um, and these are all elected positions at the congregational meeting at the beginning of the year. Um, the 2023 deacons are, uh, oh, it's elders, sorry, Adele Chong. Anita Chirpak, Beth Fila, Bill Hicks, Deanna Civic, Jeremy Lim, Joanne Wilson, Karen Lee, Christy Maynard, Patty Marshall, Paul Zukunfts, Putter Menken, Susan Murray, Trisha Fries, and Tracy Perry. Thank you all to our elders and deacons. Thank you. Please be seated. Um, if you need to process your emotions, please feel free to find members of your church leadership to, um, to discuss and answer. Um, you should know that we had a representative from our national denomination. The number three person in the entire national denomination came out a few uh, weeks ago at the beginning of February and led a retreat with all of the elders and deacons to process through this next season of transition and this next season that is upon the church. Um, you are in good hands. Um, Two or uh, four of those most capable hands are actually on stage with me uh, today. Um, Ruth Ann Yamanaka and Susan Murray uh, both serve as volunteers on the First Pres personnel team and also the transition, the, the newly formed transition team. Uh, and their resumes will tell you that Ruth Ann is the senior vice president and head of human resources at Outrigger Hotels, and that Susan Murray has recently retired as the senior vice president and chief operating officer at Queens Medical Center West Oahu. But we know more important than their resumes is what I'll tell you about their character. Uh, And their character, these are two incredible leaders, faithful women who love God, um, incredible committed members of this church and committed people of faith, uh, people with long-time ties to this church community, and people with integrity and thoughtfulness and compassion, and there are no two better people to help us steward into this next season. So Ruth Ann and Susan. Um, As Chris said, my husband Greg and daughter Kelsey um, and I first came to First Pres in the Keamoku campus days where it's the, oh my gosh, can't find parking days. And I now have the privilege and honor to be chair of the personnel team, which makes me and four others. And those four others are Adelia Dung, Linda Iverson, Kyle Batari, and Susan Murray, um, part of the transition team. And the transition team is made up of all of us, as well as the pastoral staff, we have session, and we have some 
um, advisors. And our common goal is to really create a smooth transition that is worthy of God and Dan and Roz. And in order to make that transition happen, we had to gather a lot of different um, perspectives. And so on your transition team are perspectives of human resources, communications, pastors, um, business, technology, as well as from our pastorate in the, on the mainland from ECO. So together, we hope to put together a robust process. And this is really important because for me at least, and I know it must be true for many of you, I've never known First Prez without Pastor Dan or Roz. So this is a very new journey for us. Yet as Pastor Tim has said, we've come to embrace this as a time and season of gratitude. Gratitude for all that the Lord has given this church and gratitude for two devoted servants of the Lord through First Pres, who have for a combined 58 years served with unmatched dedication, passion, and vision. So the transition team has met and we asked ourselves, you know, what do we need to do in order to help make this go well? And we presented the plan to the elders and deacons earlier this month, and they made it far better because they gave us their ideas and their perspectives. And then together, we're moving forward in order to put this in action. So you might be wondering, well, what are all of these steps? So again, as Chris said, please take a peek at the website because we've tried to summarize there what those steps are and we'll continue to refresh and update it. So it's a living document. So please go and um, check that out. So in summary, I just would like to reiterate that it really takes all of us at First Pres to help us thrive through this season of gratitude. And I just want to thank you in advance for your patience, your participation, your questions, your ideas, and your grace. Because together, we need each other in order to continue to glorify our God, as well as to say thank you from our hearts to Dan and Roz. So Susan? Thank you, and thank you for your words, Ruthann. I'm Susan Murray. Uh, Pastor Dan refers to church a lot of times as uh, a hospital for sinners. Well, for the past 30 years, I was a hospital executive, and that's where we sinners go when we're sick. So we have a lot in common, and it's been my pleasure to be a member of First Pres since Kamoku days as well, uh, and coming over here for abundant parking as well as Ruthann. Uh, I also serve on long-range planning team and uh, am honored to be on the transition team. This is a pivotal time in our church history, and I believe it is no coincidence that this is a year of prayer. I think prayer will keep our eyes on Jesus and will also help us discern what wonderful things God still has in store for us in the future. It's a journey. We are all in it together, and I know I speak for myself and the rest of the team that we look forward to the journey together to bring us closer and to bring us deeper in our commitment to love Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Ruthann and Susan. Um, 
this is an emotional day. Um, and I just want to say, it's an emotional day for Dan and Roz too. And so you may feel after this service that you really want to come up and tell them how much you love them. Um, by all means, uh, but you can also do that in March or in May uh, on a day that's not so emotional for them. Uh, remember, they have another service to do after this. And so um, please express your love to them, but give them some space to process uh, this day as well. Um, we still have a sermon in our uh, uh, How to Pray sermon series. And so will you please uh, pray with me now? God, you are still God. And you are good. And we are still first prez. And we love you and we thank you that you loved us first. God, we pray for this upcoming season. We know that you are a God of seasons. And we declare, on Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. May you make us a community that multiplies each other's joys and divides each other's sorrows. And may your Holy Spirit prepare our hearts now to hear your word preached by Pastor Dan. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ and all God's children say, <coughs> amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Chris. Okay. Now comes my sermon which will only take five hours <laughs> since this is my last year of preaching. Now I'll try to keep it normal time. You know, in seminary they teach you that when you preach, preach with passion as if it's your last sermon you'll ever give. And people in the congregation should listen as if it's the last sermon they'll ever hear. So that'll be good for us. So as you know, we're in the series of How to Pray. And as providence might have it, uh, on this Sunday when Roz and I are announcing our leaving, the sermon topic aside to this, assigned to this day in the series is spiritual warfare. At first I thought, oh, no, first I get unanswered prayer. And now what a crazy time to talk about Satan, the devil, and spiritual warfare. And um, kids who are watching online, uh, don't worry, it's not a scary talk. But then I thought, it's a great topic as it means we have to have the right attitude during this season of transition. And Satan would love us for us to have the wrong attitude in this transition, the attitude of fear instead of faith. There are great days ahead, greater than the years prior, and more flourishing, more fun, more blessings, more people converting to Christ, more of everything. But the devil would love us to focus instead on fear and uncertainty that could breed uh, negativity or an almost, uh, well, an alarmist attitude of like the story of Chicken Little who kept saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, or perish the thought, gossip. Gossip can lead to fear. And the Bible actually gives Satan the title of the father of lies and the deceiver. He would love to spread doubt in our heads, doubts about our church, and God's continual goodness and purpose for our lives. Satan cell phone calls, I call them. Thoughts enter our mind, but the thoughts are not from Jesus. They are more of a divisive nature. The evil one, another title the Bible 
uh, gives this fallen angel will strive to cause a wedge in our church family unity. Now, I don't have a lot of time in this sermon to talk about the presence of the evil one in this universe or on this earth. I've given many sermons on this. But the short version is that we are not talking about dualism, where Satan is on the same footing as God. No, the Bible says the devil is real and is a fallen angel who has recruited other fallen angels who are now demonic as they are fighting against God. In Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, they would be the orcs or the Urukai, uh, led by Saruman, the fallen wizard. But God is higher than Satan and the demons, and that is why we should have no fear of them. But God has yet to obliterate them or completely bind them, for the Lord has given the task to the faithful, meaning you and me, to fight the devil's forces and works of evil. And you think, what, us? That's our job? Yeah, and that's plan A by the Lord. We live in enemy-occupied territory, and right now this earth looks more like under Satan rules than God's. Just read the headlines. So we are the, the rebels, like in Star Wars, who are fighting to save people from the evil empire of the dark side. This world is not our home. British theologian C.S. Lewis says this, enemy-occupied territory, that is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, meaning Jesus, and you may, might say landed in disguise, and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. And when you go to church, you are really listening in to the secret wireless from our friends. And that is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going to church. He does it by playing on our conceit and our laziness and intellectual snobbery. Lewis says, I know someone will ask me, do you really mean at this time of day to reintroduce our old friend the devil, hoofs and, and horns and all? And Lewis says, well, what the time of day has to do with it, I don't know. And I'm not particular about the hoofs and horns. But in other respects, my answer is yes, I do. I do not claim to know anything about his personal appearance. If anybody really wants to know him better, I would say to that person, don't worry, if you really want to, you will. Whether you like it or not is another question. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, Lewis wrote this on the existence of the devil. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And they themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. You know, somehow in art, in literature, in movies, the creatives get it. The good guys are the rebel alliance in Star Wars, fighting the cosmic dark side. The Fellowship of the Ring, fighting evil. Marvel hero Iron Man says at his funeral, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, um, says in Avengers Endgame, in his last recorded words, everyone wants a happy ending, but it doesn't always roll that way. The universe now, if you told me 10 years ago that the epic forces of darkness in life that come out into play 
for better or for worse, that's the reality my daughter and we will have to find a way to grow up in. But what does the Bible say? It's actually same, same. It's the same thing. In St. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, which is present-day Turkey, bless them as they recover from an earthquake, the apostle wrote, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, I don't have time to give a whole sermon on the existence of Satan, but assume the Bible and C.S. Lewis are right. There is a Satan, and that throughout all this life, throughout this entire life, we are in a cosmic battle against spiritual forces of evil, and it's not against flesh and blood. And when a church goes through a transition of leadership, be aware that there is an evil one who would love to scatter the flock as it awaits a new shepherd. We must know how to act during a transition in a way that courageously honors the Lord and in ways empowered by his Holy Spirit. The Bible is so practical. It gives us practical understanding of how we could be invulnerable and powerful in the midst of a spiritual war. And how we act now will either make things better or more fearful for our congregation. We have the opportunity and the responsibility to model the spiritually mature life of peacemaking, unity, trust, patience, with a strong faith in God and in the future. Paul says our protection against the evil one is that every day we must put on the spiritual armor of God. Every day, Christ-like Kevlar. So what am I talking about? So let's read again from Ephesians 6, a longer passage. Please stand if you're able, and we read starting from verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes and strategies of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of his present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, Put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. You know, it's funny, after all of that spiritual 
talk about spiritual warfare and the armor of God, Paul ends it with saying, hey, and uh, pray for me too, <laughs> so I can preach boldly. I like that. So throughout this whole transition, pray for me and Roz too. It's not an easy transition, and it's emotional in many ways. And I'll pray, be praying for you whether I am physically here or not. Now, when you are fearful or anxious in this transition or in life in general, remember to put on your God-given armor every day and keep it on. We're in a spiritual battle. In war, when soldiers are in a foxhole and the battle is going on, they don't lay down their weapons and take off their Kevlar bulletproof vest and uniform and backpack. No, they are always dressed and ready and with their weapons ready because the enemy is like a roaring lion about to devour. The Bible says in a letter by the Apostle Paul, like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So keep the armor of God on, on all, all day. Remember the following. There are six things to put on, says the Bible. Number one, the helmet of salvation. Remember in this transition that God chose you and you chose God. You are saved. Our congregation was chosen by God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are saved and in God's family. But just because you are a believer who has been saved, the Bible says you can't only wear the helmet of salvation. Don't be a spiritual naked streaker who only wears the helmet of salvation and walks around with nothing else. Put on the rest of the armor. So what else should you be wearing? Second, the belt of truth. Speak the truth of Jesus Christ. Speak the truth of hope we have in him. Never, ever gossip or spread false assumptions, especially in our church. Assumptions are the lowest form of information. In this pastoral transition, and music transit or worship transition, if you have questions, then ask a staff person, ask someone on the transition team, ask an elder or deacon, and if they don't know the answers, they will find out for you. Let's not assume or spread mistruths. This is not a time for conspiracy theories. Go to the frequently asked section, as we talked about, called Our Next Season on the website. Get the facts and not the gossip. Father Ronald Rollheiser was one of our speakers at the hymn conference last year. He's a Catholic priest, and I think he's really wise. In his article, The Function of Gossip, he says this, gossip does resemble steam hissing from a radiator or the growl of a small dog, and yet it's important. For most of our lives, we form community around gossip. How so? Imagine going out for dinner with a group of colleagues, and while there isn't overt hostility among you, there are clear differences and tensions. You wouldn't naturally choose to go out with these colleagues to dinner together, but you've been thrown together by the circumstance and you're making the best of it. You have dinner together, things go along quite pleasantly, there's harmony, banter, humor at the table. How do you manage to get on so well despite and beyond differences? by talking about somebody else. 
Much of the time is spent talking about others on whose faults, eccentricities, and shortcomings we all agree. Alternatively, we talk about shared indignations, and we end up having a harmonious time together because we talk about someone or something else whose difference from us is greater than our differences from each other. Of course, you are afraid to leave the table because you're already suspect whom they'll be talking about next. The words of Ronald Roheiser. So don't assume and don't gossip. Don't conjure conspiracy theories of why staff has left. These things hurt the community. You must always wear the belt of truth. To live a life of truth as a follower of Jesus Christ, speak of the truth of Christ in this life. Next, you must put on and wear at all times the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, the word pono in Hawaiian. For the native Hawaiian, pono means right living with God, right living with people. Live pono. Be pono. Show our character and integrity. Do the right thing all the time. Live pono as Jesus lived pono. Live pono as Christ would want you to live. When we live righteously, we will have a heart to fight injustice, to protect people and God's creation and creatures. When we live with integrity, our hearts will be protected. When we sin and live an immoral life, our heart is in trouble and Satan will lure us not to live pono and to lower our self-esteem Pono living protects our church. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Live Pono and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Next, put on the shoes of peace, not of discord, but of the peace of Christ. Christ gives us real peace, powerful peace. Put on the shoes of peace. It means you want to tell others about the peace of Jesus. Shoes of peace means you want to spread the gospel around in the, in the community. Jesus is calling us to be people of peace, unified, not divided or divisive. People will know Christ by your unity and by how you live and love. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You want to be a keiki of Christ? Be a peacemaker during this transition. Speak truth. Speak pono. Next, the shield of faith. Have a shield of faith that God is real and he is with us. It means Satan's lies and fiery arrows of fear and doubt and anxiety will be extinguished by faith. For it is God, not Dan or Ross, who really leads us. It is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit have faith in the Trinity. When you have faith in God, your anxiety, fears for the future, your worries will wilt away. Did not Jesus say, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body, more than clothing? 
And look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And that's talking to me and to Roz. We were wondering about our future. And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for you. If you have the armor of God on, you are not a worry warrior. You are a warrior of God who carries the shield of faith. And then finally, daily, regularly, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you want to be protected, please, please read the Bible. It is the Word of God. If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't read the Bible regularly, if you don't know what it says, then your theology becomes an ideology of the latest fad or thought or political opinion. Without the Word of God substantially in your mind, your thought life, your reasoning, your heart, you are vulnerable to worry and anxiety and fear. If you don't have the Word of God in your hand, it would be like going into a battle with no weapon, just running around dodging arrows or bullets or bombs. Your mind will be more worldly than spiritual. It will be more secular. Your mind might be more financial or circumstantial rather than being saturated with the truth of the Word of God. You need the Word of God in your hand. Please, please read it daily. And more than a daily, more than a daily news source or else the radical, loving perspective of God will be lost. As Pastor Tim says, in the morning, is it email or Emmanuel that you're reading about? Email or reading the word. As Chris Penn, our executive director, talked two weeks ago about meditating or contemplating on scripture, we realize that meditating on scripture is not a one-time thing on a Sunday. Just as we can't eat once a year, we can't live on reading the Bible just once a year. It has to be consistent, constant reading and eating, so to speak, the word of God. And maybe for Lent, don't fast a food or event but add a daily reading of God's worth, or better yet, do both. May our primary goal be not to ever miss daily Bible reading, to receive the thoughts of God so that you'll be ready to fight the spiritual battle you're already in. Have the mindset of a fighter, not a victim. At a recent eco-denominational conference some of the staff attended, Kay Warren, who pastored with her husband Rick Warren, Saddleback Community Church, spoke of her new discovery of a daily chronological Bible called One Year Chronological Bible. It's large print, not to insult anybody, and in the New Living Translation, which is very easy to read, it puts the entire Bible in a chronological timeline. So instead of the four Gospels split up, it's all one story in order. Same for the letters in the New Testament and the stories in the Old Testament. It's an easy, disciplined way to read the Bible and keep reading it. And it's broken up by calendar days so that in one year you have read the entire Bible. You can keep track or know when to catch up. And if you don't want to spend the $16, it's free in the version app for your iPhone, iPad, or computer. I like the paperback version so I can underline and write in the margins. And 
It is right near my bed, so I can read it before I go to sleep. And it's a calming effect, better than melatonin. So you can join me and the entire church, and we can be on the same passage reading it every day, and we can call each other up and ask, what do you think of that passage today? Actually, don't call me or email me to ask about the passage. That would be like 1,500 phone calls or emails every day, and I do need to sleep or else I would need melatonin. So there it all is, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, which is the word of God, or the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And as Paul wrote from his imprisonment, as maybe he was looking at a prison guard, a final word, be strong in the Lord and its mighty power and put on the God's armor so you can stand firm against all the schemes and strategies of the devil. Again, to remind us, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Each and every one of you holds an important position in this church. It's like we're all guards on a wall of a city called First Pres. So defend your area in the wall. Don't let the enemy slip in by listening to gossip or spreading gossip. If someone gossips to you, call them on it. Hold the line. Stand in any gap. May the circle be unbroken. You can be a unifier or divider. You can be a bridge maker or a path breaker. This church will continue to be a force of faith for Christ if we live Pono. Our hope is in the truth of the gospel of Jesus with which we should have the shoes of peace to spread it all around the world. And that peace will break the power of the evil one. Our attitude, our faith makes us invulnerable to the dark side. Jesus is for real, so live for him. Many have died for him. With Christ in our corner, all will be well in any transition, so don't worry. And Roz and I, leaving months apart, can seem crazy in the logic of the world, but God is saying, as in the Psalms, in Psalm 40, he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Where Psalm 149, verse 1 says, Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. The Lord said, Lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. As with the Israelites, God will give you a pillar of fire by by night and a pillar of smoke by day to lead you. He will give you manna from the sky. You will be in good hands. So all of you, spread this good news of Jesus, not gossip or negativity. There is much work to be done in spreading the gospel. Put on your armor of God, all of it. You will need it. For God, the almighty King of kings says, I know the plans I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And the king has one more move. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. You are a faithful God. 
you're with us always. You've always been watching over us since 1959 when this community was created by you in the womb of worship. And so, Lord, we want to continue praising you. For this day, it's about you, not about individuals, but it's about you. And so we want to give you, continue to give you, our honor and praise. In Christ's name, amen. If you'd like to talk or to pray with someone after the service, so we have members of our prayer team that are available to pray with you or find um, a friend or one of us to, to talk and to pray with you. And now receive this blessing. Now to God who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and honor, both now and forevermore. And God's people said, there's no doubt that our church is entering into a huge generational transition with both Roz and Dan's announcements. It can be a vulnerable time for First Prez, but we remain steadfast with the help of strong leadership and the full armor of God. If you'd like to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Prez for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online on our websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Press, especially now during this transition period. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Press can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2023 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.